Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. And it's just about past 10 minutes after 8. And um, earlier this week, I interviewed Heidi Bayrick, and she's co-founder of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism, and the group monitors and counters growing uh, transnational hate movements. Um, before then, um, she led the Southern Poverty uh, Law Center's project tracking hate um, and anti-government movements in the U.S. And wanted to talk with her about anti-immigrant convoys that arrived earlier this month in communities in Arizona, California, and Texas, um, calling themselves uh, uh, the Take Our Border Back rallies. And um, community folks in Eagle Pass, Texas, um, stood up uh, against these um, protesters in a counter-protest, and they held a, a press conference with America's Voice, that a group that works to build public support and political will needed to enact policy changes that secure freedom and opportunity for immigrants in America, along with Bayrick's group and some members of Congress. And so I wanted to talk with her about that. I spoke with her earlier this week, and here's part of that interview. Yeah, the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism was founded in 2020 to look at how American organizations, far-right organizations, export forms of hatred into other countries, and to document and track far-right movements, both in the United States and other countries, particularly in places where that kind of monitoring isn't happening. And then our basic goal is to push back against the far-right. And so what kind of work have you done and what have you found? Well, right now, probably one of the bigger projects we've undertaken is an analysis of something called Project 2025, spearheaded by the Heritage Foundation and a whole host of far-right extremist groups. It's basically a plan to put the United States on the road to authoritarianism if a conservative wins the election in November. This plan, which a lot of people don't know about, but is very important in terms of being a conservative roadmap, would roll back LGBTQ rights, rights for people of color, more of women's sexual and health and reproductive rights, and also politicize the entire civil service. That's what this plan lays out. Now, you've been critical about the kind of job that the press does on covering um, Christian nationalism. And I want to connect that to what's going on at the border, because that is a big issue that you're following as well, and particularly um, what was going on at Eagle Pass. Convoy of folks who made up of Christian nationalists largely, they called themselves God's Army, that headed down to Eagle Pass um, just a few days ago and staged some pretty religious rallies, actually. They also attracted other kinds of extremists like militiamen to the event. And the city of Eagle Pass, its residents, in particular, the faith community and local business owners did a very nice job of protesting against these folks who came from the outside and standing up for their community and for migrants. And it's really positive to see local communities do this. I think it means a lot in terms of pushing back against some more extremist ideas and ways of thinking. 
So what were what were they saying? I mean, what what was their core message? The Eagles Task folks' core message. Yes. Yeah, that what they wanted to tell the folks that were coming in the convoy was you don't know this community, you don't understand migration, we are not suffering from an invasion, the kind of rhetoric that's been laid at their feet by people like Texas Governor Greg Abbott, and that you don't you don't have to come down here to quote unquote save us from something that, that is actually not happening. And also to stand up against rhetoric that is blatantly anti-immigrant to say that we're a welcoming community, we care about our immigrants, and we don't need people here who are describing migrants as invaders or in other harsh terms, such as Trump recently said, saying that immigrants are poisoning the blood of our nation. The community wanted to reject that kind of language. Where is Eagle Pass, Texas? It's in South Texas. I, it's not right on the border, but it's not far from the border. And so the the local folks there were organizing against, I guess what these are called, take back the border rallies? Yeah, exactly. Local folks very quickly organized against the take back the border convoy of a few hundred people who also held a an anti-immigrant rally and a rally in support of Texas Governor Abbott in Eagles Pass, actually just outside of Eagles Pass. So how did that encounter go? Well, they were held at two separate locations, so there was no interaction between the groups. In other words, the counter-protest, essentially the faith um, meeting, was held in a different location, so the two groups didn't interact. Um, and there was a reason for that, because they weren't looking for any kind of a conflict. They were looking to make a positive statement about Eagle Pass and the community and about immigrants. But but they were threatened, right? The, the, the Eagle's Pass, outside of Eagle Pass is a migrant center. And in the days before the convoy showed up, I think two days before, there were specific threats made to burn down that center. The FBI had had reported that to the folks running the center, which is essentially DHS, and they had to evacuate the center. There was also a different threat from militiamen from Tennessee who were arrested around the same time who were planning to go down to the border and, and shoot both Border Patrol agents and migrants. So all of these things are happening at once, right? The convoy, which is largely made up of Christian nationalists, and has really harsh anti-immigrant sentiment from its members. There's also militiamen involved, QAnon conspiracy theorists. Then there was the pro-migrant local event Mm -hmm. in Eagle Pass. And then there were these other threats, like to the migrant center. Wow, that's not the messaging you get in the media, that there were people that were there standing up and resisting, you know, all of this. And, And so... I mean that's needs to be known, um, but what else? What else needs to be known is who these people are who are organizing um, these kind of anti-immigrant rallies and what they really are about and how radical they are in terms of um, their hate, race hate, and other forms of hate. Right? There's no question. I mean, this particular group. Uh, was made up of prominent uh, militia people, gun rights activists, 
There were uh, there are people with long track, track records among far right extremism, prominent QAnon adherents. This is this crazy conspiracy theory, right? The Democrats run sex trafficking operations, you know, in particular out of a DC pizza parlor, and that believes that you know God that Trump is a god who is coming to save this country from the deep state. So yes, people do need to understand that the folks that made up the convoy were not just regular old citizens worried about immigration. These are people with some pretty extreme views, including Christian nationalism. And in a way, you could describe the convoy participants as being sort of like a MAGA rally, but a lot of the same types of people, their backgrounds were the same kinds of people who were involved in the uh, insurrection on January 6th. And, you know, you've, you all um, at... Global Project Against Hate and Extremism monitor some of these hate, I don't know what you call them, hate social media platforms, right? And you're seeing all kinds of troubling, and that's just insufficient a word on what you're seeing, right? Yeah, well, it went went far beyond the convoy um, between Greg, Greg Abbott's comments about how there's an invasion happening in Texas, the convoy revving up to go down um, to Texas for these rallies, also in Arizona and California, there were smaller protests. That has white supremacists riled up, which is a segment that we spend a lot of time monitoring. So what we found were groups like the Proud Boys, whose almost entire leadership is in prison right now for involvement on January 6th. The Texas chapters of the Proud Boys were posting messages on Telegram, which is unregulated, saying things like, go and get your guns and go down to the border. So, you know, you have these even more extreme individuals being riled up by Abbott's rhetoric and by the convoy. And what it makes me worry about in particular are lone actors who might do something like happened in El Paso in 2019 at the Walmart, where a guy drove more than... 600 miles because he believed immigrants were taking over the country to commit an act of mass murder. And, and that's, that's where this rhetoric can lead, hate crimes and domestic terrorism. And it's why it's dangerous, because when you call people invaders, you are implying that you can use force to push them back. So how, how, what's, how do we cover this issue? How does the media cover this issue without directing people to these hate sites without um, promoting their message. What, what do you recommend? Well, I, I do think that there is some judgment, right? You don't want to cover every little tiny protest by white supremacists that maybe doesn't mean anything. So you have to make some judgment calls about that, not to give them essentially free publicity. But in the case of this convoy, this was the largest gathering of the far right since January 6th. And as a result, it needs to be covered, right? There's a movement here that includes all kinds of extremist elements propelled by anti-immigrant sentiment, and it needs to be covered. And the way that you avoid either sensationalizing this or giving too much press to it, the kinds of things that journalists worry about, is you put it in context. You know, Americans need to know what's happening with extremism in this country. So this, these issues have to be covered, but they have to be put into a particular perspective, right? 
what does it mean? What do these people be- believe? Why is it dangerous? How is it connected to violence? Those kinds of topics need to be part of the discussion. I mean, you're critical that that in fact these hate groups have got have gotten a pass because we're not I do, talking about it enough. I do, I do, and I don't think people realize actually that there's a pretty large contingent in this country that is anti-democratic, motivated by hatred to various populations, whether it's immigrants, LGBTQ population, others. And, and they're a real force in this country and one that people need to be aware of. If you're not aware of it, you can't do anything about it, right? You can't push back. And so I do think extremist movements aren't getting enough play as they should. And, you know, there was some polling out just in the last few days that showed alarming numbers of Republicans who didn't, like, like 45% of them, who thought that Trump saying that immigrants poison the blood of our nation is okay. Well, that, that is a Nazi sentiment. Those are the kinds of things that Hitler said about Jews. We need to be aware about these things. And, you know, there's uh, um, people who would identify on the other side of the spectrum, or, or Democrats, who, you know, have questions about how to manage um, this arrival of folks and will entertain some of the concepts that we're talking about because they don't know who we're dealing with, and that's... I agree with you completely. They're dangerous people. These are dangerous conspiracy theories. You know, militia movements are connected to a lot of violence. Also, January 6th, QAnon, which I mentioned, is connected to a lot of violence. Anti-immigrant rhetoric has been connected to a lot of violence, and people need to know about that. And they also need to know that, you know, hate speech is not just something that lives online or comes out of the mouths of people. It can motivate people. And we have to reject these things. And people need to know that this isn't some tiny little fringe out there that believes these extreme ideas. These are pretty powerful political forces involving millions of people. And so if you, you, know, if you want a democratic society that protects civil and human rights, we have to reject these movements. So how do we know if listeners want to get more information on some of these right-wing groups that are organizing these convoys? Um, Well, absolutely take a look at our website, globalextremism.org, but there are other organizations as well, like the Western State Center out of Portland that does monitoring on these kinds of topics. My former employer, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has a lot of information, including a map of hate groups. These are other places where you can learn about these issues. And then what about the folks who stood up to these haters um, at Eagle Pass? How can we connect and support those folks? Well, I mean, it is quite amazing because they pulled that together so quickly. I don't know if that particular group has um, any kind of website or someplace to look for them, Um, but there is... uh, a booklet on the Southern Poverty Law Center's website called 10 Ways to Fight Hate that has good ideas about how to push back against these particular movements. And I'd encourage people to look at that. And, you know, there are other community resources on the Western State Center's website as well, what to do about white nationalism when it kind of rears its head in your community 
and folks should take a look at that. You know, the be- most important thing is just to make a sort of bipartisan, you know, multiple religious um, faiths together statement against hate. And it can serve to inoculate your community from these folks. What about what's going on in the other parts of the world? Well, just like the United States facing this growing far-right movement, um, essentially since, you know, 2015 when Trump first ran for office, most countries in the Western world are also seeing growing far-right movements. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're talking about France or Germany, places like Italy, the far right, a party that is directly connected to the prior fascist era is actually governing um, in Sweden. The Sweden Democrats are part of the governing party. They're directly linked to neo-Nazism. So we're seeing movements like this grow everywhere. QAnon um, is not a domestic American phenomenon. You can find it all over the world, and it's also become increasingly anti-Semitic. So these things, these movements, are not um, contained to the United States. In a way, democratic countries are all facing the rise of the far right. You know, uh, people might forget that in Brazil, just a year after our January 6th, there was a similar uprising there where Capitol buildings were stormed and people who supported the former president, Bolsonaro, who'd lost an election and who considered himself the Trump of the tropics, they did the same kind of thing that we had in January 6th. So you see this stuff happening all over the world. Yes, your group covers transnational hate movements, and I think that's also the piece of why I wanted to talk with you today. Yeah, and for people who are interested, we have some pretty extensive country reports of far-right hate extremist groups in a bunch of different places, Germany, France, Italy, and others. And and this is something that most people maybe don't know about because there's not a lot of attention to it in those places. We don't have, like, a Southern Poverty Law Center in many places. So um, I'd encourage people to, to check that out. Are you, are you folks in communication with um, activists like yourselves outside of the U.S. then in order to conduct this research? Yes. Every single country report we do um, has a researcher who's based in the country, obviously speaks the language, of which we're doing the evaluation of. And we often get um, activists and others from those countries to take a look at our research. Like, for example, when we did our first report on Ireland, there was an organization called the Far Right Observatory that came back behind us and made sure all of our research was correct. You know, um, do do you know what's... Who is funding all of this? Oh, well, that's a very complicated question. (laughs) Um, I have to say, for the most part, extremist movements are self-funded. In other words, people put their own money into these efforts. But when it becomes something like Project 2025, which I mentioned with all these very large conservative groups, there are millions of dollars uh, from the Christian right funneling into those efforts. You know, the Heritage Foundation's annual budget is, or I'm sorry, the amount of money they have on hand, according to their last tax forms, was $330 plus million. So there's substantial amount of money for these anti-democratic organizations. 
And you are listening to Heidi Burek. She is the co-founder of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. And prior to then, the founding of that group, uh, she led the Southern Poverty Law Center's project tracking hate and anti-government movements in the U.S. Hey, it's 8.30. We're going to